Hello, I'm Anne, and my Patronus is myself. And I'm Bella. I like warm hugs, but on my own terms. And, and we, we need, need a man like a fish needs a bicycle. TheGirlGangNetwork.com presents Miss Anne Dry and Belladonna in Fish Without a Bicycle. Welcome to episode two, Fat Pitch. Today we're going to break down ableism and ableist language so that even you understand it. Having an able body is a privilege. I told this to someone very recently and they said, oh my god, don't call me privileged. I work really hard for what I have. And I'm like, fuck off. Being privileged simply means if you want something in life, you fucking work for it and it could be yours. It also means a whole bunch of other stuff, but right now, don't take being called privilege as me insulting you. Having privilege is awesome for you, and pointing out that you have a type of privilege is not me being mean, it's just facts. Got it? Got it. <laughs> Good. Um, so if you have an able body, you have able-bodied privilege. What this means is that life is tough, but it is tougher when you are disabled in some way. I challenge you to imagine how you'd go about your daily life with a disability. Uh, Bella? Well, I wouldn't be able to read without my able eyes. And I wouldn't be able to work my current job without my able eyes, my hands, my ears, or even my legs. I wouldn't be able to listen to music without my able ears. And I wouldn't be able to play roller derby without my able body in general. Being able to play sports is a huge privilege. We wouldn't be able to make this podcast if we were dumb and couldn't speak. Yes. Alright. So now I challenge you to imagine it every single time you have to do something or go anywhere. Not so you think, oh no, disabled people can't go anywhere or do anything, how awful. No, that's that's not true and not what I'm saying. What I want is for you to notice that our society is ableist. And this is illustrated in how a society is built for the able body to move around in. Disabled bodies can move around in public space, but it is nowhere near as easy or as convenient. It's not until recently with Disabled Access Acts and the like where the disabled body has been catered for. Uh, historically, we've built structures in our cities and mines that cater for the able body first. And then we come in and sticky tape in things like elevators and escalators and wider door frames for wheelchairs and visible signage and audio announcements because previously we've forgotten to be inclusive. But even so, not all spaces are inclusive. The facilities are awesome, but it's not enough. And it boggles my mind that disabled access is not a priority when absolutely all of us will likely experience disability in our bodies in time. Absolutely. We may age or get injured or sick. And even if our body becomes disabled, we still need to go to our jobs and see our friends and go about our lives. We are all going to have to grapple with ableist spaces. Yeah, so in a nutshell, ableism is the discrimination of disabled people and it's a symptom of the patriarchy because in patriarchal society we value strength. Disabled bodies that may need assistance to move in space are not valued by society unless they display strength. And it's really upsetting and disappointing that we hold these shitty values as a whole. Um, but what I really wanted to teach you about today is not just about how our physical spaces that oppress people with disability, it's also in our language. Deaf. Dumb. Blind. Idiot. Moron. Imbecile. Crazy. Insane. Retard. Lunatic. Psycho. Spaz. Paralyzed. Lame. Crippled. Schizophrenic. Diseased. Sick. 
mental. All these words, stupid, moron, crazy, are ableist words. It's engaging in problematic and harmful behavior to use these words. They're not obsolete words. Their meaning hasn't changed over time in a way that makes it okay. No. They have historical context, they're oppressive, and they're still harmful. What would you say to someone who didn't see why words are such a big deal? I would say words are important. They're, they're how we communicate in the world. They're how we understand the world. If we see being blind as a bad thing and use that term to describe a bad thing or action that, that has no literal actual blindness, then we invalidate those who are actually blind and we let that bad thing speak for the blind. And then we subtly believe that blindness is bad. And then this subtle belief exacerbates in important moments like when hiring staff, when voting in an election, or in little moments like when we're pushing past people to get to work, when we don't complain about how buses have no audio announcements. These words that we casually throw around as though it's okay have a huge societal impact. So newsflash, blindness isn't bad. It's ableist society that's bad, and it makes it that much harder for blind people to equally operate in the same space. What should we do instead? So instead of calling a non-disabled bad driver an idiot, perhaps say they are reckless, dangerous, or not paying attention. If a non-disabled politician has a dumb policy, remember that they are able-bodied and they can speak, and therefore... The dumb should not be responsible for the heartless and cruel policies of the able-bodied in power. If someone makes a lame movie, remember that non-disabled people are generally employed to make movies because of the demands of working on set, and consider that perhaps they made such a dull and poorly structured movie that failed to effectively cater to your tastes. When you apply disability slurs to the non-disabled, you're being the worst. It makes no sense to blame the disabled for the actions, errors, shittiness, and insensitivities of the non-disabled. Wrapping up? All right, so wrapping up, it's not okay to use something about someone else's body to express yourself. Obviously, I'm not going to tone police you when you're suffering or venting about oppression, but I would generally encourage you to try harder when expressing yourself in everyday life. It is not okay to reduce someone to their disability as though that is the only thing about them. And it is not okay to assume that you're entitled to anything about someone else's body, including the words used to describe them. Eliminating ableist language from my personal vocabulary has really helped me to be more articulate in life. I dig deeper to find the words for what I really mean to say about things, and it has helped me be more considerate towards the needs of the disabled in public spaces. And if you think ableism is a shitty thing too, then you're a feminist. And now the news presented by Bella Donna. Bella, what's up? So, and have you heard of hashtag whitewashed out? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have not heard of that, Bella. Please tell me, what is it? Okay. So... Recently, and um, I'm going to be coming at this from the perspective of an Asian person, so I'll mostly be focusing on Asian whitewashing, Mm -hmm. largely because A, it's what I'm most comfortable talking about, because it's what I'm more familiar with, and also because it's what what is what has been making the news lately, Um, in saying that I realise that this has happened to a lot of other uh, races and cultures, so, but for the moment we'll focus on Asian whitewashing. Okay. Okay, so... 
Um, in the last couple of months, um, and I am sorry to say this, but I know that Scarlett Johansson <gasps> is one of your favourite actresses. I know what movie you're talking about now. Yes. Oh, no. Okay. I love her. Yes. <laughs> so there is an anime in Japan. Well, all anime comes from Japan. I just didn't even qualify that. But there's an anime called Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. It's quite a popular anime. Um, I personally haven't seen it, but it is quite popular. And the rights were made to make an American version of it. Um, they cast Scarlett Johansson as the lead. I didn't think too much of it because I assumed that they would be recasting it so that she would this it would not be set in Tokyo, but in LA or something. Right. It's still going to be set in Tokyo. And Scarlett Johansson, who is... A lovely woman, but a blindingly white woman, is going to be playing a character called Major Motoko Kusanagi. Oh my god, no. <laughs> yes. How is that even a thing? You'd be surprised. Um, oh. It's come very closely on the heels of a big controversy last year with Aloha, in which Emma Stone, again, a very white woman, was cast to play a half-Chinese woman. Uh. I just want to cry a lot. Um, and also, I think what's also been recently brought up is Marvel's next inclusion. I believe it's the next inclusion in the uh, phase three is Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. In the comic books, Doctor Strange is taught his magical powers by an ancient, wise Asian man. It's uh oh. Yes, and then cast <laughs> Tilda Swinton, who again, lovely white woman. Ah. <laughs> I don't even know how they can justify that, like, creatively, even. like. Well, there's actually been a lot of excuses I've read for Marvel's one. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of people gi- excuses that people give for whitewashing. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that Marvel have used mostly is, um, well, the character who teaches Doctor Strange to the comic books is such a cliche of Asian culture. Like, it would be an mm-hmm. insult to have included him. Um, I think also mm. it's like... Oh, originally it's from Tibet, and, you know, China has issues with Tibet, and we want to make sure that we're catering to the Chinese market. Um, so those are Marvel's two big reasons for casting Tilda Swinton. Oh, I think that's also, oh, yeah, look, the old one can be whatever. In this case, she's Celtic, she's not Asian. Um, I think that that excuse would probably fly better if it wasn't set in Nepal. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Oh my god, that is... Yeah. Yeah, I think um, George Takei, who become, who is a big, uh, kind of a big, um, he's big in the sci-fi community, mm. and he's a big in, he's big in several communities actually. He's a Japanese American actor. Um, he was in Star Trek, so he's big in the sci-fi community, and he's gay, so he's big in the LGBT community as well. Um, QIA. I say that as a member, so I say it lovingly. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so I think he recently, as well as Constance Wu, who plays um, who plays the mother in Fresh Off the Boat, mm-hmm. um, which is an Asian com- which is an Asian sitcom, and it's so weird that we have to qualify someone as being an a- an Asian sitcom before she can get a leading role in it. Mm. Um, Anyway, so recently, and I also think Ming-Na, I could be wrong about that, but I think Ming-Na as well, who plays, uh, for example, she's done a lot of work over the last couple of years. Um, for example, she was the voice of Mulan in Mulan, mm-hmm. but has only recently, despite the fact that she's been working for a long time, has only recently managed to get sort of a starring role in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Yeah. Um, so they, they've sort of started talking about, and a lot of other people in both the American Asian community and people who work in entertainment, such as writers, um, have been studying sort of a hashtag on Twitter called Whitewashed Out, in which they share a lot of stories about what entertainment means to them, 
or what Asian entertainment means. So it's it was fascinating going through the tags. A lot of that resonated with me being an Asian Australian person who identifies or who has an Asian background. Um, for example, growing up, basically the only person I could say was or count as looking or being like me was probably like Jeff from the Wiggles, um, mm. Mulan, Lucy Liu and Charlie's Angels, and I literally cannot think of anyone else. Mm. Kimmy from the Rugrats. I'm done. I cannot think of any other Asian people um, in yeah. pop culture at the time that I was growing up. And it's so weird to me because like, I remember growing up and because everyone on TV was white and blonde, Australia, especially Australian TV, which is worse than American TV in many ways in regards to race, um, I wanted to be white and blonde. Like, it was so annoying to me that I was Asian because I didn't look like anyone. Like, there were no heroes except for Lucy Liu who looked like me or Mulan. But compared to how many other characters didn't look like me and other characters that I liked who didn't look like me, it it's so strange to me that I grew up not being able... relating to characters who didn't look like me and thinking of myself as lesser because I was Asian. This isn't really a recent thing. Um, it's been happening for a while. I think it's just more of an uproar because three very large examples happened so close together. Um, the first time I kind of realized it was a thing was the Avatar movie. Um, not the one with Lude's people. Oh, God. Yeah. The Last Airbender. Yeah. So the I'm live action. I'm never watching that movie. <laughs> no, nor am I, but not for the same reasons as you, I suspect. <laughs> um, the main reason I'm never going to watch it is... Um, the Avatar The Last Airbender, the creators of it, drew largely from uh, Chinese, um, Sri Lankan, and native cultures. They, But um, all of the main actors in that movie are white, except yeah. for the Fire Nation. The bad guys, like they're the unqualified villains, at least in season one, which is what the book was based on, mm. which is what the movie was based on. And um, they were Indian. So not only did they cast a movie... Which is largely which is largely seeped in Chinese culture. Um, not only do they cast everyone as white, um, with some you know native back people in the background, but they also made the only villains foreigners. Yeah, that's brown people. Classic Hollywood, mm. so racist. Another example, and this is actually quite interesting to me, is um, you know the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman series. Have you seen that? I hate that, but yes, you've seen it. Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> like that's the point. You've seen it. You've yes. seen it. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you hate it. The well, point is you've seen it. Let's not get into that, cat. Um, I mean, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> the point is you've seen it. I'm going to spoil the Batman trilogy for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, but. <laughs> it's been three years, so get on it. Yeah, you should have seen it by now. Anyway, so um, in the comic books, so the main villain of the first movie is Ra's al Ghul, and the villain in the third movie is Talia Head, who's Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Mm-hmm. In the comic books, they're both Middle Eastern. Um, oh, in well, the... actually, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that I makes sense. I don't know sense. why I'm surprised. Um, yeah, they're both Middle Eastern, um, which is interesting because Liam Neeson, who's definitely a white man, <laughs> um, plays Ra's al Ghul. And, and he's venerated for that. Yeah, it's one of his big roles. Yeah. Um, and Talia is played by Marianne Cotillard, something French, Marianne <laughs> Cotillard, um, which is, again, a white woman. On the one hand, that's qualified whitewashing. On the other hand, the only other person of colour in the, the only person of colour in the main cast in the movies is Lucius Fox, who's played by Morgan Freeman. So you'd have an all-white cast and the only foreign people are the bad guys. Uh, again. So. Yeah. 
I don't know where you'd move on that one. Well, that's it's horrible. <laughs> You've got no one to look up to, and then as soon as there's someone you identify with, they're the bad guy. Exactly. Um, so I guess that's more of a, hey, Christopher Nolan, Rachel Dawes was a made-up character. Why couldn't she have been a person of colour? Was she a made-up character? Yeah, she's not in the comic books. Oh, my God. <laughs> this movies get worse and worse. She didn't have to be a white woman. She, oh, she could have been a woman of colour. Yeah, but she dies. Yeah, that's true. And that, so that would have been also bad. It's like, the only woman of colour they have dies. Yeah. Like, no matter what, it's just, like, misogynistic all over. Well, I mean, in Batman vs Superman, spoilers for that movie, but you aren't going to see it because it's terrible. I haven't seen it and I'm not going to. <laughs> um, there's a character called Mercy who in the comic books, or she started in the animated series and then goes on to be in the comic books later. Um, she's an Amazon and she's normally portrayed as a uh, white, as white. Um, in the movie that recently came out in the Batman vs. Superman movie, she was cast as an Asian actress, which was quite exciting for me, because I was like, oh, hey, Asian actress, and then she dies. Does and she I'm die? like, yeah. <laughs> Great. No, that's fine. No. Okay. This movie was terrible anyway. Excellent character. Fantastic. We, I, I didn't... Oh, I'm dead. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah. This movie was terrible anyway. Um, or, for example, uh, Age of Ultron, Margaret Cho, first Asian character in the movie, and it's like what, t- 10 years of movies? Okay, maybe not 10, but like good five years of movies at that point. Yep. First Asian character. She doesn't die, but it looks like she does. Yep. Yep. Not good. It's not great. Um, <laughs> I really, I'm just embarrassed on behalf of like the entire film industry, even though I'm not a part of it. <laughs> um, there are a lot of excuses that people use for whitewashing, and I'm going to go through them now. Okay, yes. So the first one is... Let's laugh at them. Yeah, let's laugh at them. One of the big ones is, oh, but these movies are made for like... They're made for American audiences. That's why you cast white people, because, you know... Because America- everybody in America, America is white! <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that, but I feel like that argument is no longer valid, because if Marvel is making a, con- a character concession or, a ca- or choices in their movie based on a Chinese... based on wanting to break into the box office in China, mm-hmm. that argument is no longer valid, because you are acknowledging that you have a global box office now. And uh, Nick Fury in the comic books... Yeah, white, and that's so yeah. They think they made that there exactly. Well, it, it tends to happen a lot, I think, or it seems to it seems to me to happen a lot with Asian characters, because mm. um, I I can barely still barely name an Asian actor or an Asian actress that gets a lot of work or gets top billing. Like even Lucy Liu, who is the biggest Asian actress I can think of, is in a TV show at the moment. Like she's not in movies. What TV show? It's just Elementary. It's like one of the oh, Sherlock Holmes ones. Yeah. Goes to show. Yeah. Oh, Jackie Chan doesn't do movies anymore. Um, the 90s was a good time for Jackie Chan. But, <laughs> but he doesn't really do movies anymore because... And that's the thing. Like, if there is a big Asian character in a show, then yeah. they have to have some kind of martial art fighting skill. They can't just be mm. a relatable, normal Asian, Asian person. person that you can, like, mm. connect with and, like, what is it, project yourself into. Yeah. Like, white people can can do yeah there's um an example and i was talking to my brother once because he was really excited to see a movie Mm -hmm. and it was towards sort of the end of jackie chan's sort of big movie career um because jet lee was also he and jet lee were in a movie together and it's the first time they'd done a movie together um and everyone was really excited and i was and i said to my brother don't go see the movie he's like why wouldn't i see it like is these two amazing martial art chinese actors doing a movie together i'm like yeah but the main character is a white guy 
He's not any. Of, <laughs> he's not in any of the posters because they're they're using you know they're like oh Jackie Chan and Jet Li are gonna face off, but oh we still need a white guy in there to make it relatable. Why do they need a white guy at? And he's oh. like, he was like, I don't believe you. That white guy is not in any of the posters, any of the trailers. He sees the movie, comes out, he's like, there's a fucking white guy. <laughs> that's ridiculous because they already had the two names to sell the movie. They and that's how they sell movies with names, and they just they didn't need that. Yeah, and the white guy was the main character. <sighs> All right, back to your excuses. Yeah. So anyway, so the big one, and I think that this, I feel like this excuse really is no longer valid. Mm -hmm. Because if Marvel is going to say, oh, we made a concession to sell a movie to China, then you're admitting that you you no longer have a, you you have a global audience. Like you're not, you're not just selling to like the lowest common denominator in America anymore. No. Um, The second thing is, oh, but you never complain when it's the other way around. What? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, did you not see everyone yelling about the black stormtrooper? Or like the black... Um, Johnny Storm. What? I don't think anyone yelled about Nick Fury because Samuel L. Jackson's amazing. But there was a lot of controversy. Um, in Fantastic Four, they cast uh, Michael B. Jordan. I think that's his name as uh-huh. Johnny Storm. And people were like, oh my god, he can't be black. Oh, he's the sister of Susan Storm and Susan Storm is white. Oh, what? What is this? You, you <laughs> No, no, Fury. Um, <laughs> um, again, there was a lot of controversy about um, Finn in the Star Wars, in the most yes. recent Star Wars movie, because he's a black stormtrooper. They're like, oh, he can't be black. What is this madness? What? I don't understand what's happening to me. My whiteness is as fragile as my masculinity. <laughs> um, yes, people do complain when it's the other way around. But that argument is mostly invalid because it's never the other way around. Yeah, and there's actually really nothing to complain about. It's like, I'm sorry, you white person are upset that there's a person of color protagonist in this movie. Oh, I don't know. Go watch absolutely every single other movie in existence yeah so people saying oh but you never complain if you if we change this character to chinese then like we would then why why wouldn't you complain about that we would prefer that we have our own chinese characters that people start or chinese or chinese american characters Mm. because you know um or we prefer that they have their own characters from the start but if they're not going to make them then we'll take one of yours we're fine with that um but they're like oh and the reason for that is because you have so many white cat like white protagonists yeah. changing one of them to a person of color not that big a deal exactly <laughs> another one is oh but we need a big name to sell the movie um, big names are made. Big names are made. Exactly. Like, who was Chris Hemsworth before Thor? Who was Hugh Jackman before X-Men? They weren't people, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're not a person until you're, like, you're a big name celebrity. No, okay. Let's look at <laughs> no. this seriously, actually. Yeah, like, yes. um, Chris Hemsworth, the biggest thing, the biggest movie he'd done before, he had done before that was Star Trek, um, where he played Captain Kirk's father, and he was in the movie for about 30 seconds. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he played uh, Captain Kirk's father in the Star in the Star Trek remake. He wow. actually looks like Chris Pine. It's quite amazing. That um, is amazing. Was he muscly? Um, no, he had short hair. He was virtually unrecognizable. That's strange. Mm. Um, Hugh Jackman had just won a Tony for The Boy from Oz. Like Hugh Jackman was set for a stage career, really, mm. until X Men, which made him into a name. Um, I can kind of see the argument for Scarlett Johansson for Jurassic in the Shell. 
had they gone and changed the setting to Los Angeles and not and changed kept the, the character. Exactly, because uh, I can kind of understand where the studio is kind of like saying, oh, we're taking a risk on this. It's all Asian and stuff. People might not like it. So we'll just cast like a white woman and like a famous white woman to be the main character. Yeah, that's not okay. Um, but I was, I went through a list and these are the biggest um, biggest box office bombs of 2015. Yep. Um, I sourced them from telegraph.co.uk and screenrant.com. Um, Entertainment Weekly also backs up most of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only put through the ones that were on both lists, and all of them pretty much have a name in them. Okay. For example, uh, so these are the worst, and by bomb, it means that um, they basically, based on their budget, and a lot of the budget is actually hiring the freaking actors, because actors are expensive, yeah. especially when they're a name. Um, so yeah, so it's basically like box office return versus budget. So Black Hat, which starred Chris Hemsworth, The Gunman, which starred Sean Penn. This is basically like white man of failure, really. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, hey, okay, so two really big white names and those movies bombed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this this is basically going to be white white actor of failure. Um, <laughs> the Gunman by Sean, which starred Sean Penn. Child Forty Four, which starred Gary Oldman and Tom Hardy. Wow. Um, Aloha, which. It brings me so much joy because this is the one that was famous for the whitewashing, uh-huh. um, which starred Bradley Cooper, Rachel McAdams, and Emma Stone as the half-Asian woman. <gasps> yes. Jupiter Ascending, which had Chan- Channing Tatum, uh, starred Channing Tatum, um, The Fantastic Four, which mm-hmm. starred people, um, Rock the Casbah, which starred Bill Murray, Gem and the Holograms, Tomorrowland, which starred George Clooney, and Pan, which starred Hugh Jackman. Right. Out of these list, out of the list I've just read, two of them were accused of whitewashing. Um, Aloha is the big one um, because yeah, Emma Stone was cast, who is white, was cast to play a half Chinese woman. Mm-hmm. Um, in Pan, uh, Tiger Lily is a white woman. Uh, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, so Tiger Lily, who's basically uh, Native American, is a white woman in that movie. That makes. That's, oh, that is disgusting. Like, that is actively gross. Again, they're going for the, oh, but in the book, she's such a stereotype. So really, if we just kind of take away the thing, then it's not really offensive anymore. We didn't want it to be offensive, so we just made her white. Ugh, it's extra offensive. <laughs> Doesn't even give a person of colour an opportunity to represent their own culture as a character. That's just it. Like, if something is an offensive stereotype, then change it. Like, don't change the <laughs> character's race. Change the oh, yeah, way did, the character's portrayed. We didn't want to take away the offensive stereotype bits. We just didn't want to force someone who actually identified as that culture to, like, perform Bit. them. Because we still want them in there. So we just, like, made them white. It's going to be fine. So one of their big excuses is for not having people of colour protagonists is because white people sell more movies and then we just have a huge list of movies that didn't sell. Well, not just that, but these are a list of people um, in most of these cases, particularly in the case of George Clooney, uh, Hugh Jackman, like these are big names. These are names that people presume will sell seats. Yeah. They did not sell seats. No. So I feel like if your movie is good then people will go and see it. Like, Pacific Rim didn't have a big name, and that was an unexpected box hit because it's a good movie. But if your movie is terrible, a big name is not going to save it. Mm. And the thing is, it doesn't work for Marvel because there's no way that Doctor Strange is going to fail. Like, it has Benedict Cumberbatch, who millions of people on the internet seem to inexplicably love. Um, It's 
a Marvel movie, so people need to see it in order to for the rest of the movies to make sense. Yeah, it's basically a requirement. Yeah, like there is no there is no way that they needed to cast Tilda Swinton as the name. Like they could have cast anyone as that role. It's kind of disappointing that these actors accept these roles when they're not. Yeah, look, that identity. Yeah, with Hollywood and actors, I can. Yeah, I, I literally, I don't know what's going through their minds. Mm. To a certain extent, I understand that actors need work. Like, you're only as good as your last movie, I suppose. Yeah. But it's so weird that you would look at a script as Scarlett Johansson and go, Yes, I am the perfect person <laughs> to play a character called Matoko Kusanaki. <laughs> this makes 100% sense. You should be like, yeah, so should I learn Japanese or something? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am Matoko Kusanagi. This is not going to be strange at all. <laughs> no. Okay, so the, the other reason that people tend to say, oh, we don't cast Asian people in roles is there are no Asian actors. And it, <laughs> there, are just, there are just no Asian actors anywhere. <laughs> no, we looked really hard. There are no we big tried. There are no big names in Asian acting. And there are no Asian actors at the moment who are big. And it's just like, well, who was Chris... Like I said before, like, who was Chris Hemsworth before Thor? Yeah. You need to give someone a chance, really. Opportunity. Yeah. Or, like, if you want to see if you want to see people in Asian movies, go back to China. And no, I don't speak Chinese. Those movies make no sense anymore... Make no more sense to me than they do to you. Mm. Um, I think... Uh, I think I remember reading an article where someone went around and asked Japanese people in Japan, like, oh, what do you think about Scarlett Johansson being cast as a Japanese person? They're like, we don't care. It's a Hollywood movie. And yeah, of course they don't care. They've got their own movies. It's not for Japanese people who actually, or Asian people or like Chinese people who live in China who want to see people in, who want to see people in American movies because they've got their own movies. They understand. Mm. It's more for people. It's just that. America is not a homogeneously white culture. It's not a homogeneously white and, white and black culture. Like, there are other races, um, and Australia as well, for that matter. Um, there are so many other races in the mo- in that live in America that the movies are so non-representative of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not for Chinese people. It's not for the Chinese people who live in China. It's not for the Japanese people who live in Japan. It's for the people who live in America or in Australia who are descended from those people but are unqualified Australian or American who don't see themselves on, who don't see themselves in media, and that isn't fair. Um, so again, it speaks to the tiny little five-year-old in me who could only ever see Jeff the Wiggles on TV as a representation of herself and was desperately wished to be white. And now, Trigger Warning LLC presents a message from the patriarchy. Hello, girls. This is a sponsored advertisement from the patriarchy. You are fat. It does not matter who you are. It does not matter where you're from. It does not matter what your dress size is. You're really fat. And you should feel shit about being so fat. How can you expect any strong, white, rich, able-bodied cisgendered male to love you if you don't subscribe to the harsh and unrealistic beauty standards set by us. 
get your act together, fatty. This has been a sponsored advertisement from the Patriarchy. Hello, listeners. It's Cat Cameron here. I am co-creative for this podcast and the voice of Anne. And I'm Cheryl Way, the voice of Belladonna. And we really want to apologize. We're so, so sorry. Uh, you see, we lied to you. Yeah. Well, we lied to at least half of you. Our pilot episode of Fish Without a Bicycle was super amazing. And I know that most of you listening at the moment are the personal friends of myself and my creative collaborators. Uh, thank you for that. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please tell everybody you know to listen to it. Uh, but dear friends, I know where I have wronged you. And I want to take full responsibility for that. I know for a fact that Fish Without a Bicycle is not what anybody expected it to be. It's not what I told you it was. You see, the thing is, the phrase, Hey, Fish Without a Bicycle is a femme-positive and anti-patriarchal podcast that is the flagship show of an online community called thegirlgainnetwork.com that I'm making as a passion project with Cheryl Way, who is Belladonna, and Regan Van Veen, who does the music... <gasps> With multiple headline segments where sometimes we break down and explain a pillar of feminist thought, where sometimes we talk about a news item, where sometimes we have these fake but super literal patriarchal advertisements, plus this advice column where I told everyone to save their pets and kill their husbands and more, is a bit of a mouthful to explain every single time someone asks, Hey Cad Cameron, you creative genius and badass bitch, what's your podcast about? Sir... Please forgive me when I told you that Fish Without a Bicycle is a podcast about this fish who is without a bicycle. I am sorry I did that. But as I said, I want to make it up to you. Drumroll, please. TheGirlGangNetwork.com presents Fishy La Fish. Meet Fishy La Fish. Hello, Fishy LaFish. Bloop, bloop. Fishy LaFish lives in the waters of Sydney Harbour. Bloop, bloop. It's kind of gross, really. Bloop. But when left to Fishy LaFish's own devices, Fishy LaFish is a happy fish. Bloop, bloop. As happy as can be. Bloop, bloop. Fishy LaFish likes to play, likes to swim, likes to build grime castles with the harbour grime, likes to colour in, likes to play dress-ups, likes to have fun. Anyway, one day, while Fishy LaFish was minding Fishy LaFish's own business, someone said, Hey, Fishy LaFish, check out this bicycle. Bloop, bloop. But Fishy LaFish was not interested and kept on swimming. Bloop, bloop. But then someone said again, Hey, Fishy LaFish, check out this bicycle. It's the best. Bloop. Fishy LaFish still was not interested. Bloop, bloop. Fishy LaFish kept on swimming. But then someone would not let up, and they said yet again, Hey, Fishy LaFish, check out this bicycle. It's important. Fishy LaFish was not convinced. But then also observed how the bicycle was surrounded by other beautiful fish. How strange. The bicycle didn't seem to really offer that much. The bicycle seemed inadequate, really. And yet, already, from a young age, 
Fishy the fish was beginning to learn the value that sea life places on bicycles as a concept. Bloop, bloop. And now for why everything is slightly less terrible than you may have thought with Bella Donna. Bella? Were you reading the news at the beginning of April? No. <laughs> no at all. <laughs> uh, okay, the reason that I'm asking that is because I remember this girl was all over the news, so I did a bit more research about her. Have you heard of Hild Kate Leeshack? No. So she is nine years old, and she is literally one of the most amazing nine-year-olds I've ever read about. Uh-huh. So at the age of nine, she is a reporter for the Orange Street newspaper, uh, which is in Selengroves. Philadelphia. Hmm. And when I say that she is a reporter of the Orange Street newspaper, she's also the publisher and the owner. She founded this newspaper when she in 2014 when she was eight. Like a legit newspaper? Or do you mean like... The... It is, yeah, it's a monthly newspaper that she prints and reports. She hires her older sister. Like she pays her older sister to write a column for her. <laughs> I know, right? How? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, like, she literally, she sells this newspaper. Okay, and cool. And she, she started it when she was eight. That's incredible. I can't get over this. Yeah, I'm going to pretend that print media is not dead. Uh, anyway, so she... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, that is incredible. Please, this child will take over the blogosphere at this stage. And a nine-year-old entrepreneur. Well, Brilliant. it's not just that. Um, it, the reason that she made news in early April is um, she actually broke a news story in her neighbourhood. And when I say a news story, she scooped several, I'm going to say, I would say legitimate, but as far as I'm concerned, her newspaper is legitimate. Um, She scooped several other, perhaps more widely read newspapers Mm. for a coverage of a murder. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So she happened to be in the police station following up another story when she heard them talking about something big going down. So she figured out what it was and then reported on a murder hours before anybody else. Wow. I know, right? She's clever. I know. She's nine. I was not that clever. I know. I'm still not that clever. How amazing (laughs) is this child? I can't get over this. Wow. Anyway, so... After this whole thing broke and everyone's like, oh my gosh, look at this little nine-year-old reporter, a whole bunch of people kind of like flooded to the Facebook page for the newspaper and it was all like, oh, what are you doing? Your parents shouldn't be letting you do this. Oh, little girls should be, cute little girls like you should be playing tea parties or uh, having dollhouses or like having, why aren't you playing with dolls? You're a little girl. You should be doing cute things, not reporting on news stories. What are you doing? You think you're a reporter? I'm not even kidding. Like a whole bunch of people actually went to the Facebook page and did this. Really? So because she like beat everybody they had to try and bring her down apparently she won not, not just that i mean not like these people would not have been like eight-year-olds writing oh my gosh i'm so <laughs> mad at you these are adults or people older than her going oh cute little girls like you shouldn't be trying to report news you should be playing tea parties or you should like be playing for your dolls what do you think you are a reporter or something anyway so she um, made like a whole, she made like a YouTube video where she read out some of the comments and then she said, and then this is a direct quote from this video, um, if you want me to stop covering news, then you get off your computers and do something about the news. There. Is that cute enough for you? Ah! Oh! I know, right? You're gonna need some aloe vera for that burn! I love this child. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, yeah, so... It, 
Um, in the whole kind of controversy and the waves of people going, oh my gosh, look at this amazing nine-year-old child, she had an interview with Guardian newspaper. And um, this is my favourite quote from it, which is, I don't think people should be able to decide for me who I should be and what I should be doing. I never began my newspaper so that people would think I was cute. Oh, yes. And it is so amazing to find a nine-year-old girl who is so self-assured. And so well-spoken. I know. This child is amazing. Yeah. How did she start her newspaper? Um, well, her father was a reporter. So yeah. her father used to be um, his, her father used to be a reporter, and apparently she used to take it to the newsroom. Yeah. So I think, and he's been apparently he's been encouraging her in this his her whole life. Uh, I was reading mm-hmm. again in the Guardian, um, in the whole interview and other interviews that has been done with her because people are just like nine year old for the newspaper. Um, so he because he's a report or he used to be a reporter himself. Sometimes he'll help help her tighten up leads or t- tighten up stories. But he said that he mostly stays out of it because then it's not her newspaper anymore. And her newspaper is better than anyone else's. Gosh, she reported on a murder before anyone else. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so if you want to, if you want to read more about Hild Kate, uh, Hild Kate Leashack's newspaper, go to orangestreetnews.com. You can subscribe. I'm going to subscribe. Beautiful. Thank you, Bella. I guess the world is slightly less terrible than I may have thought. Murder still happened, though. Just saying. And now, some fan-positive pop culture with Anne. So Anne, what have you been enjoying? Well, Bella, I have been reading this comic book called Bitch Planet. Amazing. Tell me more. Tell you more. Have you ever heard of it? No. Correct. You have not. That facilitates discussion. No, you have never told me about (laughs) it and told me to read it 50,000 times and I have not done that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Bitch Planet is an intersectional feminist comic book that is also just, like, super enjoyable. It's in amongst the plot line. It has these literal ads from the patriarchy um, about patriarchal things. That sounds really familiar. Yeah, I was about like to maybe say. maybe something that we do. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I just gave away the reference for where I got the idea to do the fake literal patriarchal advertisements in our own podcast, but that's not the point. The point is that this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the premise, Bitch Planet, so it's a sci-fi mm-hmm. dystopian setting, mm. and everyone lives on Earth. Mm-hmm. And the Earth is a literal patriarchy. So they have one white dude in charge, and they call him the father. Ew. It's gross. Like, even in the pictures, you should see how smug his smug little face is. And, like, he's got... He's on these, like, giant screens here. And Ew. They've at this... I've just opened a random page where the father is on, and he's got his big, ugly face on the screens. And all these men in suits uh, meandering about, drinking... Champagne and the champagne's been served by women in very revealing dresses and stuff like that. Ew. Um, quite objectified, really. Uh, yeah, so that's Earth. And if you are bad... Define bad for this world. For this world? So if you go against the patriarchy, uh, you get labelled as non-compliant. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman, that is. And you get sent to another planet, Mm -hmm. B, 
bitch planet, which is the slang for it. That's not what they're supposed to call it. It's some kind of pr- it's a prison sure. for women who don't comply with the patriarchy. So what would be examples of non-compliant behavior? One example of non-compliant behavior happens to Penny, who is one of my favorite characters, and she doesn't comply because she's a fat black woman. Is that it? Yep. So she doesn't do anything? She's she's just a fat black woman who doesn't comply. Like, she's just, you know, that's not... She's not in line with contemporary beauty standards, according to the patriarchy, so she gets shipped off to Bitch Planet. And when she gets there, she beats up the guard because she's really angry about the fact that she has to wear this uniform and it doesn't fit her. Mm-hmm. And she has, there's this excellent panel where she punches him in the face and she shouts, where the fuck am I supposed to put my tits? Because they don't fit in the little orange jumpsuit that they gave her, even though it was the biggest one. Mm. Another character is on Bitch Planet because her husband thought that she was getting too old. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So she wasn't young and beautiful and therefore not satisfying anymore. And so he divorces her and marries a, a young, a younger woman. So he leaves her for a younger woman. Uh, and because she couldn't satisfy her husband, she gets sent to Bitch Planet. Uh, and yeah, it sounds super harsh in the context of this fictional world. But really, how different is it from reality that women who don't comply with the patriarchy are devalued? I don't want to give away too many spoilers because you have to absolutely read this comic book. I might mm-hmm. just buy it for you for your birthday because you can't have my copy because I love it. Um, <laughs> all right, so they're on Bitch Planet. Mm-hmm. And this it's there's only been one issue so far. So when you arrive to Bitch Planet, you get a tattoo on you that says NC, which stands for non-compliant. Mm-hmm. And that's how they can identify who you are. Okay. Uh, so this planet is full of women, and the protagonist is an athletic woman of color who fights the guards and speaks out, and she's just she's an activist on the planet. Which seems like a pretty poor idea because all these men are in charge and all the women kept getting beaten up and mm-hmm. one of the women gets killed and she wants justice for the woman that gets killed even though she doesn't even know who the woman is. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. And then they're given an opportunity to win mm-hmm. freedom. Okay. So they can win their way off bitch planet. What, to go back to the patriarchy? It sounds unfun. It sounds unfun, but... They still have people and homes and lives and things that they love. Like, Bitch Planet is a prison. Yeah, okay. um, And I guess, like, the thing with any prison show is that you want to get out of prison. (laughs) Uh, Because they're constantly constantly being monitored, constantly being watched. Of course. So how do they win a way to get back? Okay, so they win a way to get off off the island. uh, Island. Off the island. Off the planet by playing a game. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a contact sport, and it's a women's sport, and there's a huge arena. Is it roller derby? It's kind of like roller derby. It's like roller derby, but without the skates and with a ball, and then there are rules. So, like, you can, like, fight each other, Mm -hmm. but you can't gang up two on one. Yeah. And you can score points by getting your ball. So you're on, like, this elevated platform, Mm -hmm. and if you've got the ball, you have to go into the opponent's side and drop the ball into the pocket on the opponent's side. Okay. Um, there are a few rules like that. So uh, the people who run the prison approached our woman of color protagonist 
who is athletic and say, can you please put together a team? And if you play the sport and if you win against our earth team, then you can be free. But of course, and it's televised, but of course the people who offer this opportunity are also the referees for the sport. Um, so there is further corruption. Yeah. Um, I think, I just want to see the sport being played, to be honest. Like, it sounds really cool. Just wish it had skates. Um, but yeah. There's also, I just opened to a random page and there's like this very sexy naked scene. So you should definitely read this book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wrapping up? Read the book. <laughs> Wrapping up, I think everybody should read this comic. There's only been one issue of it out and I'm in. When you say issue, do you mean like an issue, like just a short issue or do you mean like a, co- a collection of issues? One collection. Okay. One collection. So volume one is out, which is the first few issues. Sorry. Yeah. And I don't know when the next one is out, but there's already like a huge like cult following online for Bitch Planet, people getting non-compliant tattoos in real life. And I'm, I'm super tempted to get one. And maybe we should both get one. <laughs> <laughs> Just go out and get ink. Yeah, pretty much. Podcast ink. And then we could podcast about it. Wrapping up, read the book. There'll be a link on the website and in the description for the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening. When in doubt, let apathy be your guide. This has been Miss and Dry. Or if you'd prefer, get washed away on a wave of rage about current events. This has been Belladonna. I was swimming in the sea, happy as can be. When a man walked over to me, he said, Hey baby, why don't you give me a smile? So I said, go fuck yourself. Cause I'm a fish without a bicycle. I'm a fish without a bicycle. I'm a fish without a bicycle. And you can be a fish without a bicycle too. The voice of Anne is by Kat Cameron. Hey. And the voice of Bella is by Cheryl Way. That's me. Music and editing by Regan Van Veen. Hello. You can now support the show on Patreon by looking up patreon.com forward slash Cat Cameron. Did you like the show or just have something to say? Let us know on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the girl gang network. Leave us a comment. Unless you're a misogynist, in which case, don't. <laughs>